Welcome to the Silicon Trail podcast. My name is Michael. With me today is my co-host, Johnny. And on the Silicon Trail, we discuss recent technology and business trends and observe where technology is going with an eye on unmet gaps and potential opportunities. On this week's episode, we'll be talking about remote work. There was, what, a 10%? A 10% pullback? I think they need one more thing to go along with that. They need a big widescreen lock. Just one? What I'm trying to say is I wouldn't just outright say no. In the same way, for example, that Netflix doesn't seem to hire anybody out of college. That seems like a gigantic waste of the ultra No, no, you use it for documentation. Can I have an untaxed $5,000 to spend on my uh, computer setup? So, story of the week, Johnny, COVID-19, the novel coronavirus, you were saying. Yeah, just at conference, uh, companies are canceling conferences, um, just mentioned a couple, and then, as now we're seeing, as you were just saying, you know, your, <clears throat> your trip, upcoming trip might be canceled. Uh, mm-hmm. Just saw that, you know, Google, Microsoft are limiting their employees' travel. Um, this is, of course, in the background of, this is also tied to what we're going to be talking about today, which is remote work as many companies are now especially in China are really encouraging their employees to work from home so you're seeing the largest experiment of work from home ever Mm. should be really interesting to see how that goes but even extending beyond China in Europe you know companies like Microsoft and you know others are asking their employees to stay at home another follow-up to this particular story is did you watch the U.S. stock market this week I have seen the stock market. Yes. We had a correction. There was, what, a 10%? A 10% pullback? Yeah, it Which dropped, you, I think, was it Thursday? I saw seeing the news. It dropped 3%, then 3%, then 3%. And then almost 3% again, but went up a little bit at the end of the day. So I think it dropped 10%. So, yes, it was all due to this fear of the, the virus. Basically, everything from October to February was wiped out in terms of gains in the market. AKA, are a lot of companies, if you didn't get a chance to catch them during November rates, this was the chance to catch them now. Apple dropped down to 257. As opposed to where were As opposed to 300, which is where the, the last time I was looking at Apple. I see. Mm-hmm. I was incredibly happy. I have just a, I have a bunch of uh, automatic limit orders for different stocks when they hit different rates, if they ever hit those different rates. Again, not a finance podcast, not giving financial advice. Michael Chan's takeaway from this week in tech is put your money in stocks while they're down. Oh, no, now- that's, e- of course, that's easy to say. <laughs> that, that is easy to say. Of course, everything could go down more. In which case, I'm even. In which case, I'll be super happy. Uh, or everything could go down less, or go up rather, go down less. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Us. Oh, shall we? Right, jump? If we have, oh, the, the, I have what? one more. Yep. Thing I do want to 
to mention. I know we were going to cover the streaming wars later, but mm-hmm. um, Disney, Bob, Bob Wagner, stepping, stepping down. Mm-hmm. So I've been following the story down. a little bit as well. From what I hear, the new guy, Bob, uh, the new Bob, I don't know what his last name is. Uh, apparently he is much more of a numbers crunchers person and a much more operational. fit. I, I would describe it. This, this appears to be like Tim cook replacing Steve jobs. Uh, not to say that Bob Wagner yep. was Steve jobs type because he was more of a, a creative risk taking business person acquisition. Kevin Meyer. Yeah. Which is Chappick apparently by all accounts uh, and purposes, as I was saying before is uh, the guy, the way he was described is that he always had super high ambitious numerical goals and only once in his past two years for one quarter did he not hit them. He just sets a goal and drives to it. He fail, He refuses to fail on his goals. Um, so that will be interesting. Absolutely. So that'll that's be inter- really interesting to discuss in our streaming, uh, streaming wars discussion. Yeah. If, if the person who built, helped build out their streaming wars in this critical time as they enter the market is not the person in charge and Bob, Bob is leaving mm-hmm. and Bob was very instrumental on the very creative side. He, they, they did say he's staying as chairman because he does, you know, want to stick to the creative side of the business. So that should, still, but it should still be interesting if he doesn't have the reins. So yes. So remote work is a topic today, Johnny. Uh, and let's talk about first the, the companies who are doing remote work and, and what, types of jobs we think can do remote work uh take it away yeah so <clears throat> i was mentioning uh, um, wordpress mm-hmm. uh, GitLab, and basecamp or, or the company behind wordpress which is automatic are good examples of companies that have had a remote person culture mm-hmm. um and you know companies have been around more than than five years and i mentioned explicitly because there's now a growing number of startups that are remote first or you know they may have a small office but they're willing to have a, a minority to majority of their employees be in remote roles right so that they can uh if you will touch the um, attract global talent right mm-hmm. um so there's uh, and yes these companies tend to be uh very much technology companies either catering towards developer tools or even consumer facing I'm just trying to think what is another, um, there is one that is uh, Doximity. They are very much a remote first. Uh, yeah, so it's an online networking service for medical professionals. Mm-hmm. And they're also primarily remote um, remote team with, I think, a San Francisco-based headquarters mm-hmm. and some employees mm-hmm. there, of course. So, so um, you, I was going to say, as we start talking about the, the types of companies that can do remote work, do you know what company most surprises me isn't remote? Slack. Have you had a, do you know anybody that works there? Have you talked to them or? <clears throat> so or I know any that into it? they have the more traditional uh, office, uh, close to office uh, culture. But this is interesting to me because with the, the companies we were talking about before, they were developer tools in terms of WordPress uh, or Basecamp or uh, the, the, what was the other one? Uh, the GitLab. But... Mm. The company, if you look at if you look at the company for cross office communication, Slack, they are not a remote first company, which begs me to wonder <clears throat> what what makes a company remote a bull, and then we can maybe talk about what why these companies are remote. 
I was thinking about what makes a company remote abode would be if most everyone's job is doable on a laptop or on a, on a computer, you could do some remote work. Yeah, um, exactly. Uh, I'm just, uh, I just went to the, I just went to the WeWork remotely website. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty good website for finding remote jobs. And just to mention, just want to throw out some of the companies here that are looking for, you know, remote uh, employees, uh, mm -hmm. Salesforce, mm -hmm. which is you know, big, I think the largest employee employer in San Francisco and they're building that, they haven't already finished that big tower yep. where they'll be based. Um, well, they have multiple towers all throughout the, the Bay Area. Right, right. Um, Zapier, Zapier is the, the, the workflow automation that's, mm -hmm. that's like the, that's the glue between different apps. Um, you know, Crowdcast, Forerunner, Changers.com, Qualio, Data Revenue. So there's quite a range, right? Like, so we, we see obviously Salesforce, a pretty established company looking for remote workers. But we also see like these smaller, either startups or just smaller uh, businesses that are looking for. Are you, are you and just, I mean, looking, what type of roles uh, yeah, those yeah. are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it lists the roles and where they want them and mm -hmm. they're full-time and all that. So for example, the Salesforce one's looking for a lead software engineer, full-time in USA only. Mm -hmm. um, the Zapier is looking for a site reliability engineer, full-time, anywhere, 100% remote. Mm -hmm. um, Supercast is looking for a tech lead TTO. Uh, Good Eggs is looking for a senior software engineer mobile for full-time US only. Um, someone's looking, Autosoft is looking for a software engineering manager, full-time mm -hmm. in the USA. Um, Data Revenue is looking for a machine learning engineer, Python, full-time, remote, all regions. Mm -hmm. um, uh, senior software developer full-time in Europe, Qualio. So I'd say that the, I, I will say the trend that I am seeing here is that they definitely want someone who's experienced, mm -hmm. actually knows how to do this, right? Because I think junior does, may not work as well, at least at least from based on these roles I'm seeing, right? There's a lot of senior roles, there's a CTO role, there's a software manager role. Um, most roles are looking for like either you know, senior role or like a founding teammate or co-founder. Uh, and they mention a lot of like, of course you can't get away from JavaScript, JavaScript, Python, Ruby on Rails, but there's also product design. There's also user um, UX design, senior product designer. Um, so there's also a bunch of design jobs. See, this well. was going to be the, the question uh, for me because I feel the roles that if we, if you think about it, I could see design, uh, because you could be on a call with your designer. And we'll, and we'll talk about this a little bit about what technology needs are there, but you can be on a call if you're a designer. You can talk about the requirements. You can send over requirements. You can send wireframes back and forth and you can send mocks back and forth and it could all be done on the computer. Uh, but Johnny, I'm incredibly selfish on this one. I'm me-centric. If we, if we will go through those roles, Johnny, there, there is a particular role that's, that's not listed anywhere there, Johnny. Hold on, hold on. Mm -hmm. So let me just go through the different categories of, of, okay. of, of because it does categorize a bit in a kind of weird way. So All we right. have programming jobs. Okay. We have design jobs. Mm -hmm. We have business management jobs. And I did see a junior role here, a junior product analyst, but I see a lot of uh, also like that's that's just, optimization, that's manager. That's SQL and uh, what's it called? That's just SQL, Tableau and, and, uh, and, and dashboarding. Co copywriting jobs. Okay. Product jobs. Okay. So, 
There what, is a program actually, manager. Okay. Wait, uh, senior, to... senior product manager. Okay, senior product manager. Uh, there's a bunch. Um, let me give you a couple. Aha is looking for, okay, that's the custom success manager. But WorkBK is looking for senior product manager, freelance contract, North America only. Oh, there's a product designer. Oh, sure. There's that's a product hard. manager. Okay. There's a QA. There's another product manager. Let's another a data product manager. So let's look for just, look for a role that's seemingly growth. A growth say. product manager, a director product manager, a junior product manager, mm-hmm. um, and then we have customer support job. Let me just go through the categories, mm-hmm. the, the remaining categories. Then we have customer support jobs, and we have administrative jobs like a virtual assistant. And we have all other jobs like a scrum master, QA, SEO, uh, data scientist, DevOps and sysadmin jobs, finance and legal jobs. No, this, they have expanded since I last was really looking at them. Medical health jobs and education jobs like Wait, a remote. Medical SAP health job. Wait, what? Yeah, so they have one job, which is a manager of a clinical content, full-time USA only from Health Finch. What? So that's the that different jobs? categories. That's quite... That's quite a spectrum. Oh, sure. Let me click the job and tell you. As a clinical product analyst, then why then you're your manager, you will work as a clinical subject uh, matter expert to provide clinical experience, understanding, and real-world healthcare context to Health Finch. We'll create and maintain evidence-based, clinically validated protocols to power the Health Finch rules engine and use data analytics to improve and recommend future initiatives for product development and marketing of our you're, you're a product analyst. Got it. It's yeah, like, I don't know why it's manager, but yeah, so those are the different categories, which is more than I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you were getting at product management, but you know, there's a whole bunch. I mean, I would there's say there's a whole bunch, which is, I'm you'd be on the phone a lot. I, I would imagine it's not for everybody. If so, first off, yeah, what is your role? Product. Oh, sorry. Yes. Uh, product manager. Don't build the, don't build the tension here. Yes. Software product <laughs> manager. My, my challenge would be, would be this, which is if your entire team is remote, including your engineering managers, including the, you know, the, the HR managers of your, of your team, I could see a successful, I could see a product manager being successful. If your entire team is not with you, I don't want to bother hiring a product manager there. They're just going to be a useless waste of money. Uh, just, just make the engineering Wait. manager that's with the team do something. Oh, I see. So you wouldn't hire a remote product manager if most of your the, that team is already in person. Yes. If most of them are already re- remote, yeah, that, that would make sense. Mm-hmm. I think because <clears throat> yeah, that that would, that would not make sense. Right. You're right because, because you need well, to interact with them so much that yes. why would you be the only one remote mm-hmm. when you're supposed to be the one shepherding them to the latest and greatest? Yes. In fact, we're having one of these situations in uh, in our company. And we were discussing, there was a New York team and there's, of course, the, the California team. Uh, and we were discussing trying to figure out where a product manager would make sense. And one of my engineering right. managers at the time was saying that the, he should be in California because it's headquarters. And I was saying the team that develops is in New York. The customers that use most likely will use this are in New York. He is going to be a waste of money in California. Uh, and this was a big argument back and forth. And I was like, because no one, unless you find, uh, unless we find like some young 20 year old 
who mm. wants to travel, who's not attached, who has maybe even family on the East Coast, who wants to make that flight once a month. Uh, because as a product manager, if your team is remote and you don't see them once a month, I, I like in person, I highly doubt your effectiveness. But again, this is for the case where if you if your team is majority uh, in the office already. Mm -hmm. So I'd actually yeah. ask this from a developer standpoint. If your entire team is remote, let's say on the flip side, um, does, do you feel that takes away? Uh, at all. I, I know you mentioned before, it's like these seem like all senior roles. I'm trying to wonder, yeah, it's like that That role seems like it could be one where everyone could be remote, but would your whole team have to be senior in order for that to happen? It's like what type of team makeup would you need if you wanted an entire remote software engineering team? Hmm. So if I, if I was building a software engineering team, mm -hmm what kind of people I would hire? No, oh, well, if they were all remote, if they all had to be remote, what considerations would you have that are different from like, let's say your standard hiring considerations? <clears throat> I think, I mean, of course, communication is always important, but in remote situation, um, ideally I would, I would look for someone who's done remote work before or is willing and because then they'd have the experience in the context coming in or someone who's willing to really adjust to remote. Right. I mean, I would make that clear. I know it's obvious. Oh, I'm, I'm not going to go to an office anymore. I'm going to work from home. That part's obvious, but then what are the ramifications of that when it comes to, you know, working with a team, communicating with a team, how you have to be um, always checking in, in in a sense where like daily setup matters more. Right, because if you're in the office and you do your daily stand up, which you will do anyways, you still get that chance where you know you're grabbing coffee, you're going to the kitchen to just chit chat and see what's going on that you don't have when it's when everyone's primarily remote, right? So, and then I'd say you you have to be proactive, right? You have to be proactive in reaching out to your to your colleagues and you know scheduling one on ones just to chat, just to build that rapport that you would normally get in the office just by being there, right? You set in meetings, you're chit-chatting about, you know, your weekends, what, what have you, right? Um, but it is, I, I, because but, I, but, but as a person hiring, there is, oh, are you ready for this? But what on the person's resume would you be looking for specifically, knowing that your entire team is remote? I don't know if I, I don't know if there's anything I would look at from a resume, like skills standpoint, like, like I mentioned, the big one for me would, would be, this. have they worked remotely before? But, but I would say this, even with that, would you hire a new grad? Would I hire a new grad? Mm -hmm. I would not hire a new grad. Not right. Not when I'm building my team, initially building my team. No, I would need folks who are experienced. So that's what I mean. If well, you I'll have experience you, in software, you, you've built the team. It's fully remote. Yeah, you're just generally hiring for this. That there's dollar projects in place. Would you hire a new grad? Okay, in that case, I would. I would not be opposed to hiring a new grad. No, if they've if they've shown, you know, they've they've built projects. They've you know they've done something. They if they show some of the you know company cultures that we value, right? In our case, like we you know taking initiative. 
you know, you and I have always tried to do some, something on the side, having some kind of side hustle, being but, very but entrepreneurial. speaking, though, no, no, I would be highly hesitant to hire a neurograd grad because you're, you're thinking about their intrinsic uh, skills in terms of like their, their personality and all these kind of things. I'm saying I don't actually think that those are the blockers. I, I don't care about those intrinsic skills. How are they going to learn the code base? Uh, do we have tools for paired programming for them for them to learn the code base? Who do they go to for help? Uh, what if they're in different time zones with people? Uh, what it's like this is the first time they've even worked in this particular language. I don't think I would put a new grad. Let's put it this way: in, in the companies you worked with, would you hire a new grad and give them no per, and give them an off-site mentor? Uh, ideally, you probably wouldn't want to do that. Well, <clears throat> that's. Mm, yes. Um, well, that's what I was getting at. Is like it, they would have to take a bunch of really interesting boxes for for them to be consideration. I would just what I'm trying to say is I wouldn't just outright say no. In the same way, for example, that Netflix doesn't seem to hire anybody out of college, right? They have you know they have their culture, but I would I wouldn't say unless I had some bad experiences and I would just say no more new grads. I would not be opposed to hiring a new grad. So I wouldn't me, say, you know, would, it, would there be more scrutiny? Mm -hmm. would, would there be no, more scrutiny? Maybe, right? But I wouldn't say no outright. Mm -hmm. But let me push on that, though. It's, it, you, when, you, when you say there might be more scrutiny, are you creating an environment wherein it's not possible for a new grad to be successful? So, for example, Let's let's go through the checkboxes you're talking about. They'd have to check more interesting checkboxes. What are those checkboxes, and and how many new grads would possibly fulfill these checkboxes? I don't think most new grads would fulfill it. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm I'm not my my thought process isn't that far away from you. It's just that I, without having direct experience of of like a bad experience of saying we hired a, a new a new grad and it didn't work out because ABC we learned from it. I just I wouldn't go in if you if you and I built a remote first company and we were hired we had a bunch of developers we were working, I wouldn't say no to a new grad, right? I would at least have a conversation with them and see where their head is at. You have to remember some people are very mature coming out of college and some people are also very not very mature coming out of college. But and again, some people, but again, Johnny, you're looking at the maturity so, and the personality. I'm looking at the skills. So let me finish. Mm -hmm. So the other thing is some people, for example, some people work between, you know, high school and college. Some people come in having had some work experience. Some people, like I said, have done contract work for employees. Some people are very, uh, do take the initiative and do bring those kinds of skill sets. Again, I'm not saying I would be willing to hire them right away. I would just be willing to have a conversation about hiring, right? I would at least consider them. I would outright not say no to not considering them. That's what I'm saying, right? Would ultimately we come to the decision of not hiring any new grants? Possibly, but I would at least want to have that conversation when that situation arises. To be, to be honest, I think I would only recommend hiring former interns uh, like our own former interns 
if our if our team was fully remote and would always be remote. Yeah. See, that's that's another checkbox that they need to click. Have they done? Have they interned with us? There you go. (laughs) And have they been successful? Key checkbox. Are you a successful intern of this company? Have you already shipped value to our company already? Yeah, I mean that's a valid way. I just I never get it if you just don't uh, unless you have a very good reason to to just not uh, um, try it. I imagine even Netflix has probably tried it and then realized you know what we need fully formed adults. We're not gonna do. We're not in the business of recruiting from colleges. And then Netflix they just don't have famous for that. They don't. They have no desire to teach. They they expect you to come in and get context because you already have the expertise. They do not expect you to come in and learn exactly uh, and, and that's the culture they decide on right mm-hmm. so it comes down to what, what kind of culture you you decide for your company but and it, what you're but mm-hmm. go on yeah but netflix is in a privileged position to do that right they're they're you know if not a great brand a good brand everybody knows them in the u.s uh they built uh, quite quite an quite a service uh for themselves right so they are in a position to do that and they've been <clears throat> you know, industry leaders in the, you know, from the engineering stack perspective, and of course the, the amazing culture that they have uh, that has allowed them to build such a great company. So they're absolutely in a position to do that. I think the other day I was reading, a, or just on this topic, a, tw- a tweet where somebody said, you know, you're not Google, don't try hiring like Google. Google can do that because they're one of the you know best companies in the world. They have the best benefits. They have so much great opportunities, so many great people working for them that they can make you go through the gauntlet through their interview process. You're, you're a startup with an unknown brand. Do not think you can go put uh, your uh, potential uh, you know, candidates through that same process. And that's kind of relates here, right? Like Netflix can do whatever the heck they want because they know it works for them. But if you're starting up, if you don't know what works for you and if you don't have that brand cachet to kind of attract people, then you, know, you kind of have to figure out a different alternative. But, but, but hold on. So this, yeah, is, so I, this, is, this is what I'm thinking with that one, though, which is you, you're talking about what type of culture of company you're building. But by the definition of creating a remote company, you are instilling some aspects of culture, specifically of, of working independently, you know, of specifically of, of being self-sufficient in terms of the communication uh, aspects. You're, you're, you bring up a good point, actually. Uh, that I didn't think about. <clears throat> the other thing is that people would have to, to a certain extent, be willing to not think in the nine to five uh, period. Especially I mean, part of the allure across time zones. Yes. Well, one is across time zones, but also part of the allure of remote work is, uh, again, it depends, right? You could you could have you could try to do a nine to five. There are companies I see that are willing to have certain overlap, like three to five hours which means you could probably still stick to your nine to five more or less, right? Maybe a few hours here and there. But then if you're in a globally distributed company where, you know, you're, you're you know, in the Pacific, but you have to talk to folks in India, you might have to talk to folks in China, folks in Europe, then, then definitely the nine to five does not work, right? So remote work does come with, you know, the ability to have to be flexible, right? Where you're not, you're going to get out of your nine to five hours and it might be early mornings or late nights, but at the same time, the schedule should adjust to that, right? Where you need to, if you will, run some errands during the day that you normally do or say, say if you have a lot of evening calls or a lot of morning calls 
and you're used to going to the gym at those time periods, maybe you do it sometime in the middle of the day, right? So there has to be some adjustment uh, from the person willing to do that. But again, it comes down to what kind of remote and where the people are. Like I said, uh, some of these companies, when you go look at them, they're specifically, and I mentioned those, right? USA only, North America only, Europe only, because they want a certain time zone difference, right? They're not willing to go, you know, more than five, eight hours, mm-hmm. which makes sense, right? And that's another decision you can make. So it's not like you're, if you're remote, everybody has to be all over the world. You could be remote and just in continental America, which means you have like three hour difference, mm-hmm. right? Or at least North America, I should say. So, yeah. So, so I think you, you're, you would need really, a really organized uh, project structure uh, to be successful yeah. and remote. Uh, yeah. Whether it's the daily standups, whether it's the weekly check-ins, the weekly <clears throat> you got to be very organized with your project structure, I feel, if you have a completely remote team. Yeah, and I think it goes back to what you said earlier. Um, and I've, another thing I've observed is maybe starting off like very early days. You, like, for example, you and I have worked, have known each other for several years. We worked together on several projects. It would be pretty comfortable for us to start something remotely, like we've started this podcast remotely, right? Mm-hmm. But it'd be very hard. And in the same way, for like a new grad, it'd be only worthwhile if you brought them in as an intern and had them, had them, had them experience it. Um, you know, how it is working remote uh, first culture how, and of course contribute successfully. And what I'm getting at is that a, a lot of people, it's like they start with like two, three friends that they've worked with successfully together, right? And then they're able to start a new venture. So there has to be that element of have you worked together with this person? Was it successful? And can you work with this person? Because if you're, in, even if you're in the office, you have to be able to work with this person in a, you know, successful way. And then there's that other thing of, you know, are you friends enough that, I, I, and I'm saying very early days, right? When you're like, okay, I'm going to start an adventure. Who would you call up, right? Are you friends enough that you're comfortable, um, you know, having this remote, calling each other Slack and having some kind of discipline around constant communication in terms of letting everybody know. So that ties to where if you're looking for employees, someone who's had remote work, uh, has that additional advantage over someone who hasn't, right? Because they've experienced it, they know what it's like. Uh, I'd hope I'd hope to speak to their to their experience with remote work and being able to communicate and how they handled all the different. There's different challenges with remote work as well. And I think getting into the more mental side of it is there is an aspect of loneliness, especially. And this is where I think remote work will not work long term. Is if you are unless it's like a contract based, it doesn't make sense. To regardless of your position, I know earlier you said product manager, regardless of your position, if the majority of your teams, if your team is in the office and you're the only one not in the office, that can be extremely challenging, right? Because a lot of the information that's shared, uh, you know, every time they get into a meeting, it's an afterthought to call you. You're always missing some of the things that are kind of intrinsic to the office. Uh, I wouldn't say necessarily experience, but to keeping you in the loop of what's happening in the office of like other teams that impact potentially your team. You end up being probably the last person to hear uh, what's going on. Right. And you know, that can either affect your work or that can affect like the, you know, how your company is doing or any kinds of things that kind of affect of how you do your job. Right. A project might be deprioritized another project might come into play and there may be the business context that's explained to everybody in the office and, and you get, you know, you don't get it right away. So you're missing it for a few days. I've had, and you know, I worked remotely and I had those cases where everybody else got information. And a few days later, 
I, you know, I was working with a certain assumption that was no longer valid. Right. So there's all these things that kind of built up a lot of frustration. And there's also, again, that element of loneliness, right? So you have to make sure to create uh, that space for yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's right. what I would say. But what are, what are some of the other questions? Yeah, let's move on to uh, the technology of, uh, what's it called? The technology of remote work. Uh, what, are the, what are the tools that really strive uh, in this area, or thrive, sorry, in this area? And what do you think are missing? In this area, Slack. Absolutely, Mess- I mean yep. messaging. Yep, Slack has become the go-to. Well, now I'll also say Microsoft Teams. They seem to have done a decent job of uh, muscling into that space. Zoom. I think before it was uh, WebEx, but um, I think Zoom is pretty. I, I guess depending on your company. I we used to use WebEx before. Now you know you and I you, you use Zoom. I use Zoom for well, Zoom is much easier to install. Yeah. Zoom uh, just gave us a gift, which is removing the 40 minute time limit from our meetings. That, that's because we didn't, we had more than two people sign in. Oh, okay. I was going to say, oh, I was going to say, yeah. hold, okay, that's interesting. I was like, wait a minute. Our meetings have been more than 40 minutes all the time. Yeah. Because we, I, yeah, it doesn't allow more than two people for that. Um, I know what's interesting in this space is that Zoom kind of, um, has become the de facto default from what I've observed, but also Slack has a calling feature. It does have a sharing feature. Um, I've, I haven't found it the experience as nice as Zoom, um, but there's that. There's also, um, I'll mention VS Code, only because I know VS Code was one of the first ones, at least to my knowledge, that started doing uh, remote, uh, well, one is like remote development where you can you know, remotely sure, develop yeah from a server, but then they also have the pair programming mm-hmm. capability. Um, I'm sure I think, I'm sure some of the others might have either developed it or gone from there. I was gonna so, say, yes, VS Code is becoming quite popular. Yeah, so again, I think, you know, some of these editors are always catching up with each other anyway, so there's that. But yeah, so I would say Slack for communication, Slack and Teams for communication, uh, Zoom for, you know, video conferencing, either one-on-one or multiple groups. And of course, VS Code and, and other similar IDs that, prov- that provide you with the remote development and pair, remote pair programming capability. Uh, again, geared towards mostly technology and computer focus roles. But what are some of the, th- the tools that you've observed or any other, or what are your experiences? I was going to say, I think those are, those are more or less the tools. Of course, there's Google Docs from the, from the people who make a living on uh, talking and writing standpoint. There's, of course, Google Docs for, for remote collaboration. Uh, there is the, uh, what's called, there's the Microsoft Office 365 suite, of course. Um, what I think is missing, actually, and, and speaking about this remote culture, trying to build a, a, uh, a less remote culture, whiteboarding is like, I you know, feel, is, is there yeah. a great, I guess if we're thinking about it, <clears throat> if we're building this remote you're, company, you're right. <clears throat> you're right. I think here's the thing, if we're building this remote company, and if we're thinking about, okay, what type of equipment and what type of software uh, would we buy? So first we're, we're thinking about what type of per people and their experience and their skills and their mentality and their temperament do we hire? Now, okay, we've hired the people. 
Now I was thinking about what type of equipment and software do we get them? Yes, I can see Slack making that list. I can see Zoom making that list. I can see Docs making that list. I can see VS Code making that list. Um, but something that I was thinking of this morning is the laptop that you get them, which remote, by the way, how, if, if a person leaves your company, how do you get your equipment back? That's simple, the UPS. Yeah. Uh, anyways, that, that, that's depends <laughs> on how they're leaving. Don't worry, Michael. They won't. They won't steal our equipment. Don't worry. Okay. We'll get your laptop back. Okay. Mr. Pseudo Chief Financial Officer here. <laughs> okay. Uh, financial operations, whatever. Um, which is, I think, if I'm going to do remote work, I want a Surface Pro. I want a surface computer. I want something with a touchscreen because whiteboarding becomes completely much more challenging. There are some, you know, some online collaborative whiteboarding apps. Sure. Cool. That's great. But the problem is the mouse on this one. It's like, it's just not as easy as writing with a whiteboard marker. I no, I agree. One of the things that I find very frustrating is as great as like tools like zoom and Slack are, I use zoom where I've tried to, you know, someone's tried to write on the presentation and it's horrible. It's, it's absolutely horrible. And I do have a friend who has a Surface Pro and that's actually one of the reasons I'm almost very convinced to get a Surface Pro as my next uh, laptop because you get the best of both worlds, especially if you're in a very, in a, in a position where like, you know, you're doing architecture diagrams, you're doing diagrams about systems or even like products and, and flows. Mm-hmm. It just, it's so nice to just be able to switch from typing to whipping out your, um, your pen and drawing something out just like you would on a whiteboard. Exactly. And I think now that's what, now that is what's convinced me. Uh, Cause up to now I've not been convinced on the whole touchscreen. If it's just, I'm using my hands, mm-hmm. but if you have a pen um, and pen support, then it becomes very viable right now, instead of carrying like, you know, for example, if you're an Apple trainer, <laughs> an Apple and an iPad Pro just for that, you can now just have like a Surface Book mm-hmm. that you get the best of both worlds. You get a fully working laptop, especially the Surface, yeah, the Surface Book. Uh, uh, yeah, because they have several different models. Um, yeah, so that's that's true. If you're going to do a lot of whiteboarding. I have one more thing yeah. needed for that. So, you know, so, so, so I just have a question for you. You don't think that this is something that could be solved by just by software? We need a device, a specific device like a Surface? Okay, so I, my, my problem for that would be, is your mouse going to work for drawing? No, I hate using my mouse for drawing. Exactly. If your mouse was working... I don't even, I mean, I don't even like it, using it for signatures. Right. I mean, if you think about it, drawing flows and all this kind of stuff, yes, you can do it with a mouse. We can be there, draw out the boxes and, and draw out the arrows and, and connect them. And, and there's software like this. There's like easy draw and other software like this. But man, it's not collaborative. I can't just take a marker and start trying. It's not as fast. It's not as so, responsive. It's painful. I think maybe going to the human nature side of this is there's a reason that when we hold a pen, we hold it with at least you know two fingers, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's why I think even the touch, the early day touch screens would just allow you to to use just your finger. Never made sense. You need to have an input device, mm-hmm. right? It, I mean, obviously, it makes sense on our mobile phones. But not in this case of like whiteboarding and drawing mobile something. Phone, you're not but, okay, even what was drawing. the other thing? Hmm? Mobile phone, you're not even drawing. Like if you see any well, yeah, artist exactly. uh, start actually really drawing or actually really needing the precision, 
and the precision, like you, you think it's like the only artist. No, every single time you draw a curve, you need that precision. We draw circles all the time, even if they're bad circles. I draw a stick figure of a person. I mean, I don't want that to be right. slow as all hell and not work. Um, but uh, so there, there's one more thing along with a, okay, so the, we're thinking the Microsoft Surface Pro. This is getting costly. Uh, the Microsoft Surface Pro that we get, the, I think they need one more thing to go along with that. They need a big widescreen monitor. Just one? Uh, well, they've done studies for <laughs> What budget do we think you have? we have to pay these people, Johnny? Maybe that'd be an interesting uh, thing that ties with this. Just figuring out the budget of all this. How much does a subscription to Slack or Teams, Zoom, um, VS Code is free, but Google Drive or any, any other equivalent development tool, Office 365, um, a Surface Book laptop, and a widescreen monitor. How much would it cost? to get this uh, remote work, uh, uh, remote first company off the ground. Uh, vaguely I right now be, we're that, touching around 2000 per person. I think the laptop alone is more than 2000. Is the Surface Pro 2000? I believe you can configure it to an appropriate, if you're doing oh, development, you want to We're touching 3000 per person. I haven't counted the monitor yet. Okay, fine, fair enough. All right, um, that should be that should be an interesting. All right, so I think what's the our next question? Because I well, think actually, we should cover now. I was going to quickly technology. say, do we do we need the monitor? I think we need the monitor. Well, we we do need the monitor. I was just going to push for two monitors, but why two monitors? Because you need it. You need two widescreen monitors, like ultra wides. Yeah. So then, what you do is you make the other one vertical. That seems like a gigantic waste of the ultra wide. No, monitor. no, you use it for documentation. Those long pages of documentation you scroll. Trust me, once you get used, to, once you see it, you get used to it. Wait, so you, you, you a, work at a tech company. Are you telling me nobody uses this? We're allowed to. Yeah, no, no. We have. So what we have is we have for, so ultra wide, as in like a huge 4K display. You're allowed one of those, or you're allowed two monitors of any size. But usually, will someone will have a large normal resolution monitor or a normal aspect ratio monitor and then they'll have a small vertical monitor that they'll put next to it but yeah no one's using an ultra wide like 42 inch monitor not 42 inch that's way too large like a 26 inch monitor uh to be their or 29 inch monitor maybe that's that's the ultra wide format being like standing there like a a column you'd have a t Actually, you have an L. You have an L-shaped computer setup. Exactly. I, 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 I had that set up in my last one. I have this set up now. It's, it's pretty nice. Anyway. Right, I feel so like, you, we, I, feel like I would just be missing that chunk that turns the L into a rectangle. That's it. You can get that one, too. You can get that one, too. All <laughs> right. Three monitors. What is the no, there's not that many laptops that can support three monitors. That's true. I think beyond three, you're, you're asking for too much. No, no. Then we get into external GPUs. All right. Let's okay, move so, on to the next topic. So quick thing. If, we want, if we want now two monitors. Okay. So this, this is now around 5,000 per person. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. What I was about to say. So next question on this one. So we went through who we would hire. We went through what we would give them. Now let's go through the, uh, what was it? Which this is, episode sounds very much like like uh this this episode sounds very much like us figuring out what we're gonna do to build our own work 
first com- remote work uh, first company. But I go ahead. Say, can, can I have untaxed? Can I have an untaxed five thousand dollars to spend on my uh, computer setup? No. Okay. Focus. Focus. What is the next question? What? No. I mean, it'd be great. <laughs> anyway, I believe you. Uh, so, next question is: uh, Where do we think the future of remote work is? I think what I want to contribute uh, on this is just uh, something that I thought about when I was talking to a friend. Um, you know, <clears throat> she has early mornings, and she was saying that she her work starts at seven. Mm-hmm. And I I have a, a, a new job that's that starts at seven fifteen. But the okay. difference is that she 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 needs to be, you know, she's she, she's a cook, so she needs to be, you know, at, at her place <laughs> you of work. You can't remote work that one. <laughs> you can't remote work that one. And there's many jobs where, you know, they don't have a choice of what time they start, and they, you know, they have to, they, you know, either early mornings or late nights, and they don't have that flexibility. And it just showed me the privilege that we are in all where like I have a 715 call, but I could still be in my bed, open up my, 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 my phone, you know, call in and just listen and, you know, say my part of what I'm doing today. And then afterwards, you know, get up and, and get ready for the day. You're going to take us, you're going to take a work call in bed, Johnny. Professionalism, professionalism, man. I, I'm saying I can't. Right. <laughs> so I, even when I was starting, my boss was said, Hey, you can, you know, whatever works for you, right? You can take the call and, you know, go get showered and get ready for the day and head out to the office afterwards. Or, you know, some of my colleagues, they show up right before, right around seven o'clock. So they're in the office already for our 7.15 call. So actually, I was just a quick, quick, funny story to that. Uh, the, the funniest thing is, so we have an office in San Francisco that we own, I think, 20, 30 floors off. Okay. And above that is all residential. Now, the residential is way too expensive. Speaking of, and I, th- I know you're going to talk about this soon, but speaking of the pricing people out of Silicon Valley, but what I really wanted sure. to do was be able to get one of those, uh, they're, they're, I think, $2.3 million uh, condos effectively up there. Never, never mind the, the, the logistical finances of it. Somehow get one. And then we have a monthly commute survey that goes out, which is asking people how they commute to work and what their level of satisfaction is. I want it so badly. <laughs> Just to do that, so I could get the monthly commute survey and select other. It's like it's like it's like train, uh, shuttle, uh, you know, driving, biking, walking, and it's like other elevator. <laughs> Not even walking elevator. Look elevator. at this bump. <laughs> I just start, they're like, Mike, we need you back in the office. Okay, don't worry, I got you. I come down in my pajamas. What's up? Wow. I literally wow. have a I have a teddy bear for no apparent reason. They're like, is that a teddy bear? I'm like, yes. It's like, you sleep with that? No. <laughs> nope. I just had this for the comedic effect of coming down you're late at night. He's just my companion. <laughs> Actually, no, this just is your new manager. <laughs> You'll find him an improvement oh to me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my Sorry, gosh. you were saying privilege. So, yes, yes, definitely privilege. Uh, so definitely, you know, you know, we have to acknowledge that remote work is a is a privilege that you know, folks. As we said, we've been saying, folks who primarily get to work with computers don't need to work with equipment, 
you know, whether it's construction or cooks or, you know, cleaners or what have you, they need to be in the office. So for us, that's one, it's a privilege. And two, yeah, tied to that is that even though it's a privilege, what's, uh, I've been, you know, we've been observing, you know, we, I used to live in, in the San Francisco Bay Area. I used to live there. And even here, like I live in Vancouver now. Back? And uh, it's another episode. Uh-huh. Um, you guys, you guys fix your immigration rules. So, say, yeah, we should do an episode on immigration rules. There you go. So, I, but there's a rising cost of living, right? So, you know, for example, if, you know, we've been working for a few years now, can we, can you buy a house? Can you even buy a condo in, you know, the, the Bay Area, not just San Francisco? Not the $10.3 million make sense? one. I'd prefer not to. Okay, there you, right? So, you know, folks are coming out of school now and, it's it's just you end up having to get a place really far away at a certain point, and then commuting in, right? And I think uh, at least here in 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 BC and Canada, that's what companies start to observe that folks are moving out and further and further. And some folks, it's just this, they're being so priced out of this entire region, which is like imagine someone being basically priced out of the entire San Francisco Bay Area, like the extended area, and then moving like. I don't know, let's say Nevada, right? And then they decide to just move way out. And for them, it's like remote, a remote job is what keeps them employed, right? Mm-hmm. Because, and keeps them in a place that you can afford. But on the flip side of that, as I was just saying that, it goes the other way, right? If you're making, you know, if you're in tech, you're going to make a certain amount of money. And then, you know, you go live in Thailand, for example, or somewhere super cheap because you're working remotely and you can, you could end up in a position where you end up pricing out the locals, which is also what's happening. So there's a lot of very interesting ramifications for that drive remote work, but also can be, you know, if you will, against remote work if once if it gets to such such a volume. So let me ask a question. Could but we I, see? So let, let, if we think about again the technology trends, whether or not we think they're ready yet, could we see the the dissolving of the office of the physical office in the future can we see like potentially vr offices we keep, people keep talking about it uh, do do we think that is the future of remote work i think i think in certain scenarios it makes sense right it, like we said right in certain like technology focused companies and like developer tool companies like some of the companies we mentioned absolutely makes sense why would you not do that right why would you I mean, it's a certain stage, a certain stage of a startup, and that's why you see a lot of startups in that space is that they're, you know, they're small, they're, they're getting their footing. Why would you pay so much for real estate, the price that it is? Just the other day, it was uh, not, not a startup, but a, a restaurant in Vancouver, he was closing shop because his monthly uh, rent became a hundred grand. Mm, right? And that's a restaurant. That's not, that's not even an office space, right? That you're, you're you know, as your company grows, you're going to have multiple offices, you're going to expand, you're going to grow. This is just a restaurant that has like a certain foot, uh, square feet and that's it. It doesn't expand usually. And that's, that's a lot of money, right? So I think I'll definitely, and then once you become a remote first company, maybe yes, you're willing. Sometimes they do have a small office uh, and sometimes they don't. So it does bring its own challenges. There's HR. There's a lot of like, then you have to know your own country's policies. Most times you're, you're uh, at least here in Canada, you, be, you have to incorporate and be self-employed. Uh, and you know, it's a business that's, that's, that's earning money instead of you as an individual as it would be if you were a, an employee. Wait, so, if you're, if you work remote in Canada, you have to be, wait, how, how does that work? 
Well, if you work remote, okay, not necessarily, but that's uh, that's one way you could do it, right? Where you could incorporate. I think most people, at least, so when I moved here, because I was working for a U.S. company, I just, and then they had a presence here, they just uh, continued to employ me as a full-time uh, salary mm-hmm. employer, employee. But I know other folks that work uh, under, as an incorporated uh, entity. Hmm. They work under like contract for remote work. As well as like, that's not limited to remote work, but I'm just saying that that's what I've observed here um, in Got Canada. It. So, yeah. So I guess, so, so question now. So if we're, we're, if we're starting to think about it, do, do you think that remote work will overtake co-located work? Do you think that it will become a normal thing? Like maybe it won't overtake it, but it'll become incredibly normal for a part of your uh, workforce to be remote? We, yeah. I think it is. I think we we didn't even touch upon, maybe we can have a part two later mm-hmm. uh, to follow up, but uh, we didn't even touch upon like kind of the rise of the WeWork and not necessarily just a company, but just that space of co-working spaces, right? Because there's plenty of other players in that space and they're growing, right? And so, for example, you, if you don't want to go work at a coffee shop, right? For example, you may go into an office and, and WeWork or maybe a couple of your startup staff does that. So I have a colleague who started working at a WeWork, but a few of his folks are there, but they're also a remote company. So there's also that, right, where tied to this are these other enablers, right, uh, where you don't have to be in the office. And I guess we didn't really, it wasn't part of, it wasn't part of the technology remote work, but it is kind of the facilitator of remote work, right, where um, you have a place that's not your house or yes. your apartment. And uh, for team meetings, if you ever want to get the team together in one place. Exactly. All right. So, uh, so- I think if we were to, to summarize, if we wanted to start a remote team or a remote company, we'd first make sure that we hire the entire team remote uh, so we don't cluster around uh, a physical location, um, that we look for people with remote experience if possible. The new grads we hire tend to be our interns. We spend about 5000 we give them a $5,000 subsidy to uh, uh, to set up their yeah. workstation yeah. with Surface Pros uh, being uh, $2,000 of that. And so million dollar or billion dollar question on this case is, would you create a remote working company now? I would, I'd be open to it, yeah. I mean, mostly because most of the people I know are in, in front, like you, you're not, you're not here in Vancouver and I'm not there in San Francisco. <laughs> so. The practicality you know. of it. If, if our podcast grows to anything meaningful and we have to hire a few people, then they'll be remote. I mean, that's a solid and then we'll have point. to We'll have to vet them. We'll have to vet them, you know? That's and you do point. what we're paying you to do because mm-hmm. we they're not going to be in the office to monitor you. <laughs> Just kidding. So, it's like, but I'm yeah, not, that's, that, that's the... I'm not sure ahead. yet that I would say that I'd be ready to smart, start a remote company. Well, okay, you can keep it small too, right? It's not like you need to end up running a 100% remote company. You could just be a few people running it and it could be a pretty good business, right? So I think- And I guess you could the, majority be remote people. I guess the key here is once we hire our first employee for Silicon Trail, then, then Michael will make the determination of whether, or, or we'll make the determination of whether or not it's remote or we, we work out about Starbucks. Yeah. That's it. All right. All right. I think we can call it a wrap. Yeah, I think that sounds good.
So I think that we go off the outro of it's another episode of the Silicon Trail. Thank you so much for listening and have a great week.